Well, good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. Again, what a great way to start our worship service with baptism. That is wonderful. Hey, I, I want to, I didn't ask uh, this person that I would do this, but I would like Jeanette Smith uh, to stand up, please. Um, Jeanette Smith, uh, she leads our early childhood uh, area here at Fellowship Aletha, and I just want to recognize her for everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. And for those who are uh, helping serve alongside her, thank you uh, for sacrificially giving and taking care of our little ones. You know, we are a church that wants to reach all ages, and uh, we love babies, and we love all ages to the grave. And it's very important for us to minister to one another. And Jeanette, thank you for setting your, just setting yourself aside and putting Christ in front. And again, I just wanted to recognize her because maybe you also want to serve. Maybe you, uh, in that area, maybe you want to bless young families. Maybe you want to bless babies. Maybe, you know, no greater, it, it, my heart, when we started to attend church, it was a blessing to feel comfortable to take my children to somebody that I knew would love them just like I love them. And so maybe you have a heart to serve in that capacity. And maybe just go out and reach out to her and touch base with her. Say, hey, I want to serve. So that would be a good place for you to serve. Thank you, Jeanette, for all you do. Hey, uh, take a copy of God's Word with you this morning and find your place in Genesis 21. We have a lot of work to do. We're going to be covering a lot of Scripture today. And I'm not going to have you stand with me because we're going to finish Genesis 21, starting in verse 23. And the heart of our text today will be in Genesis 22. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me as we get ready to go to the Lord and, uh, and, and look at his word. But I'm going to ask him to bless our time and our fellowship in his word. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the promise we have in you. Lord, thank you that we are reminded that you are a faithful God. And as we have journeyed through the life of Abraham and just through Genesis, how you have created all things on purpose, for a purpose. And that we see this seed coming. But in the dark corners of the area, we see this other seed trying to interweed and intervene and, and cause chaos. But Father... <laughs> there is no other God but Yahweh, Jehovah. There is no one equal or powerful enough. So thank you. Thank you that your word is true. In the end, we will see it come to pass. And Father, our hope and trust and stands in you alone. Thank you for the wonderful songs that we have worshipped today with. And I'm just reminded as you lead us, you lead me. And even though we walk through the shadow of death, we fear no evil. So thank you for being the light in a dark place. Thank you for always protecting your children. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's read in Genesis 21, verse uh, 22 through 34. And then I'm going to give some high points in this section. The Word of God says in Genesis chapter 21, verse 22... At the time, Abimelech, accompanied by Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Swear to me by God here and now that you will not break an agreement with me or with my children and descendants as I have been loyal to you, so you will be loyal to me and to the country where you are a foreign resident. 
And Abraham said in verse 24, I swear it. But Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the water well that Abimelech's servant had seized. Abimelech replied, I don't know who did this thing. You didn't report anything to me, so I hadn't heard about it until today. Abraham took sheep and cattle and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Abraham separated seven lambs from the flock, and Abimelech said to Abraham, Why have you separated these two or these seven lambs? He replied, You are to accept the seven lambs from my hand so that this act will serve as a witness that I dug this well. Verse 31. Therefore, the place will be called Beersheba, because it was there that the two of them swore an oath. After they had made a covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, left and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of Yahweh, the everlasting God. And Abraham lived as a foreigner in the days of the Philistines for many, many days. Just a couple, three uh, quick points I want to point out in this section. Number one, we notice firsthand that a lost person noticed God's blessing on Abraham. A lost pagan king notices that Abraham has God's blessing. That's quite interesting, is it not? But it says something about our walk in this world. It says something about our nonverbal and our verbal communication. If, you re, if you're reminded of a couple uh, chapters prior to this, what did Abraham do to Abimelech? He lied, right? Abimelech said, why have you lied to me about Sarah? You told me this is your sister. But God comes through divine intervention to Abimelech and says, listen, you're not going to touch Sarah or you will die. What a wonderful dream that might be, right? But Abraham uh, must have been doing something during this time while he was there. There's some, ty- there's some years that have passed. And Abimelech, you know, living in this place in Gerar, he was a king. He would have noticed what was going on in his countryside. And if you can I, if I can remind you, as we looked at Abraham's life, what did he do? He built altars to the Lord, right? What else did he do? He got up early in the morning. What else did he do? He lived differently. So I say that because I truly believe that Abraham's life was on display for years, and Abimelech saw something different about this man. And notice that Abimelech comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to make this oath to you by the name of God pagan person through divine intervention comes to know who Yahweh Adonai is. The second point is the covenant of oath that they make between each other. You see a heart change. You see something different start to happen in Abimelech. Abimelech says to Abraham, show me your loving kindness. That's the loyalty here. The loving kindness that he's talking about, if you know your scriptures, it's found in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, it's the same type of love that David and Jonathan have for one another. And that love is to say this, no matter what, no matter what, Abimelech, no matter what, Abraham, you're going to love me and I'm going to love you. Even though we're going to mess up, even though 
we might have some tiffs and some disagreements and arguments. I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to have your back through it all. It's a beautiful picture of the New Testament agape love, the Philadelphia, the brotherly love that we are called to live in the scriptures. And lastly, in this section in Genesis 21, you see that God is worthy of praise in all places. Well, what does Abraham do in Beersheba? He plants a tamarisk tree. Now, a tamarisk tree, I haven't seen any around here, but where I'm from originally, they grow like crazy. They are a desert tree. They live in sand. There's no way to kill them. They'll live forever. But there's a, a, a plant of a tamarisk tree in a well reminding people that there, here's a marker that we have a treaty between the Philistines and Abraham's sons. But I also want to point out that the reason why I say Abraham or God is worthy of praise in all places, Abraham, again, in his context, is in the Philistine area. Folks, I don't know how long you and I are going to be here on this earth. I don't know how long you or I will be in Olathe. God may call you to go here or there across the world, but wherever you go, even if on vacation, you need to find your place worshiping the Lord in any place you're at at that time. A vacation is a blessing, but a vacation is never placed from going away from God during your time there. If you take a trip to France for business, worship the Lord. If you go to East Asia for business, worship the Lord. If you go to another state to see family, worship the Lord. God is worthy to be praised in all places. So now we, we fast forward to Genesis 22. This is where we are going to dig in. Take your Bible and look, at, look with me in Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2. A command to Abraham. A command to Abraham. The word of God says this. After these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to, me, he said to him, Abraham, here I am. He answered. Genesis 22, verse 2. Take your son. He said, your only son Isaac whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burned offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. I want to start off by saying this. This is a command that is only for Abraham. This is an offering. There's a difference between a sacrifice here. Our Lord is not about children's sacrifice. Our Lord is about blessing people and loving people. He created them. And that's why we are pro-life. We care about the babies in the womb until uh, the grave. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the exact same way. But this is the test. And God will never call anyone else ever to do this. It is dangerous when you read the word of God and place yourself as the main character in the narrative here. I want to be clear with you in that. God will never ask you to do this. This is the one-time deal with Abraham and Isaac. And it's an offering. It's not a complete sacrifice. 
And so as we dig into this, quest, this section, I want to try to answer this big question, the big elephant in the room, why? Why did God do this? What would cause this to happen? What's the purpose for this in the scriptures? Why is there a test here? And that's exactly what it is. It is a testing of faith. And the Lord's test is never to cause anyone to sin or stumble. That is quite clear in James chapter 1, verse 13. Mark that down. Never to cause us to sin. You're going to go through some tests, but it's never to cause you to stumble. But God's purpose in testing Abraham here, and the reason why that we are tested as well, is to refine us. The purest gold comes from the hottest fire, so don't be afraid to step into the fire. God is refining Abraham here, and he's going to test him, and he tests you and I in our walk. And Abraham needs to be willing to give all to the Lord. So in verse 2, we see this test, the burnt offering. And what's interesting about this section is that Abraham doesn't say anything. He could have said, Yahweh, my God, my Father, I will do anything you've asked me to do, but not this, please. I would give anything up to follow you, but not my son. Remember, last week, Abraham had just given his firstborn Ishmael away to the wilderness to never see again. And we felt the weight of that. And now today we feel the weight of this scene. The Lord is asking Abraham, take your son, but not your son, your one and only son whom you love and offer him to me. And Abraham is called to respond by trusting and obeying in everything the Lord asks. Everything that was common to Abraham, everything that he had felt for his son from the earthly side is about to be tested right here. And to think, as we read through this section, we hear the echo of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from Luke chapter 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Abraham is the very first disciple. Abraham is giving everything away to say, I'm going to follow you. And the word hate is not despised. It's just that God is number one, everything else is below. But oh, how in 2020, we try to get those teeter-totters off, don't we? We try to get them equal, right? So what's the takeaway from this section? To remind the reader, to remind his children as they study the word of God that this scene right here, is to remind us that it costs God something for my sin and for your sin. And every time we see Abraham's response here, we see, we're reminded of what the Heavenly Father went through when he gave up his one and only son. Abraham is trudging up the side of Moriah. We know that his heart is breaking 
because he loves this son so much. But Abraham's love for his father and Abraham's love for his father is great. But Abraham's love for his son is a small shadow of our heavenly father's love for his one and only son, Jesus Christ. This scene in Genesis 22 is a scene to remind us of what Calvary was. It's a great reminder of what everything our heavenly father did for you and I. Our sin is great, but his blood is greater it paid for our life. Christ's body on a cross was a great sacrifice. Not only a human sacrifice, it was the greatest. Why? Because Christ did not sin. He was sinless. And he was the unblemished, perfect lamb of God to save you and to save me from eternity and hell. The cost of Jesus' blood is great. And it breaks the chains of sin in our life. Let's move on and see the obedience in faith. The obedience in faith in Genesis chapter 22, verse 3 through 14. Obedience in faith in verses 3 through 14. The word of God says this. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took him Two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, which means there was about a three-day journey to where they were going. Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Looking up, Mount Moriah is right there in Jerusalem today. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship they will come back to you. Underline that word worship. Abraham, in verse 6, said this. Abraham took the wood uh, for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac's, Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father, and he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived in verse 9 at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. I believe the angel of the Lord is Jesus in this context because of that phrase, you have not withheld your son from me. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the, the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named the place the Lord will provide. So today is, it is said, I will, provi- be, I will be provided on the Lord's mountain. In verse 3, of this section, we notice that there's no hesitation in Abraham. 
full obedience to the Father's will. Delayed obedience is always disobedience, and we don't see that taking place right here. And in verse 5, Abraham shares with his workers that him and his son Isaac will be returning after they worship on the Mount of Moriah. Now, Abraham's words here are not to trick or deceive anyone, nor did he expect a substitute for Isaac. I really believe that Abraham was going to kill his son. And I really believe that Abraham, or that I really believe Abraham thought that Isaac would be resurrected. Why do I say that? Well, the Hebrew writer in verse 11, verse 19 says this. He considered God to be able to even raise someone from the dead. You want to know as Abraham is walking up to that mount. I guarantee you his heart is aching. He's about to do this. But I guarantee you he believed with all his heart that God would be able to raise his son that very moment. Another thing I want to point out, that word worship in verse 5. Interesting word. This is the first time we see the word worship in this scripture. What do you think when you think of worship? These two are not going to go to Mount Moriah to sing. They're not going to go fiddle sticks or play a banjo or sing some hymns. They're going to offer a burnt offering to the Lord. And I am pulled back to the scriptures in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. They were going to be in the presence of God Almighty. And there's something about being in the body of Christ, coming to corporate worship, that this is our spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. I cannot wait for Sunday. I love you all, and I cannot wait to be with my family every week. And there's something about being here that I love. And you know what it is? It's that right here. It is a spiritual worship. It's important to sing songs in the name of the Lord. It's very important to be gathered around the word of, the God, of, of our Holy Father. It's important to give sacrificially as your tithe and offerings. But, and another thing that's important is being here, worshiping our Heavenly Father. This is our sacrificial worship, and it's a spiritual worship. As we continue on, look at verse 6. It says that Abraham loads the wood onto Isaac to carry up to Mount Moriah. And oh, to think, 2,000 years later, 2,000 years, maybe 2,000 and a half, I'm reminded of John 19, verse 17. Jesus went up bearing his own cross. Isaac is climbing up, bearing the wood to Mount Moriah for the sacrifice. Jesus Christ bared his own cross to carry up to Calvary for you and I. Verse 7, we see Isaac ask this hard, hard question. And folks, I just, I broke down 
this week as I was studying this section. He asked this question that would have pierced his father's heart. Father, dad, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham responds in verse 8 in a way that he may not know the meaning at that time, but now he does. God himself will provide. Jehovah Jireh. Which could also be translated this way in the Hebrew. God will provide himself. Jehovah Jireh. And we see further proof of that second statement come in the New Testament. Landry asked me this week, Daddy, how is Jesus and God the same? I said, son, read in what Acts 20 verse 28 says. Be on guard for yourselves. And for the whole flock that the Holy Spirit has appointed you as an overseer to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Son, who died on the cross for your sins? Jesus. Right here, Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are one. The word of God is true, and that's why we believe. There is no other name that is above any name than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see in verse 9 that Abraham bounds Isaac to this wood. And I want to say something here. There's some time that has passed in this section, okay? There's about a 20 to 25 year difference between verse 21 and 22. Theologians and historians and pastors have come to the understanding that Abraham is now 125 in Genesis 22, and Isaac is 25. Now, I, I'm not the smartest person in this room, and I could tell you, if you hang around me long enough, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But if I was a betting person, which I'm not, and Isaac and Abraham were to wrestle, I would say the fit 25-year-old could take the 125. I'm just guessing, uh, just a shot in the dark here. But do you see... What's going on here? Not only do you see the perfect obedience of Abraham, you see the perfect obedience of the son Isaac. I'm reminded of John three, John uh, six thirty eight, when Jesus Himself in the New Testament says, "For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of Him who sent me." Abraham is going to do the will of father and Isaac is going to do the will of the father this is a beautiful picture of a relationship between a father and son but ultimately this is a beautiful picture of our heavenly father and his son so we see in verse 15 through 29 the reaffirming of the covenant promise Verse 15 through 29 of Genesis 22, reaffirming of the covenant promise. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham the second time from heaven, and he said, By myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the gates of, the gates of their enemies. Verse 18 and all the nations of the earth will be blessed 
by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men, and they got up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham settled in Beersheba. Here we see a reward for obedience. It is the assurance of the, of the covenant promise. And do you know that those who have confessed Jesus as, as their Lord and repented of their sins, that the gospel of Christ that saved you, we also have covenant promises with our Lord. And what are those? The forgiveness of our sins. Eternity is going to be with our Heavenly Father. And the law of, has been written on our hearts. Well, where do we get that from? That's a fulfillment from Jeremiah 31, verse 31 through 34. But what sticks out to me in this section is verse 16. God swears upon himself that, again, this promise will happen. That this covenant is going to go through. And we have the exact same language here that we saw from Genesis 15. Do you remember in Genesis 15 when Abraham, Abraham had to set the animals on two different parts? And God came as a furnace and a flaming torch to walk between the separated animals to say, this covenant, I am bound to it. And if this covenant doesn't go through, then what has happened between, with, with these animals may, be, may it also happen to me. And that's exactly what the Lord is saying here. The Lord is going to use Abraham, but the covenant ultimately is up to God. The covenant is up to our Heavenly Father. And we also see in verse 16 a wonderful phrase. You know, I think about phrases. And one of the one thing that we hear in church talk is uh, we cannot wait to be with our Heavenly Father and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. But what about this phrase? You have not withheld anything from me. Live that life. Live that way for the Lord. To be in, our, in front of our Heavenly Father and He say, you have not withheld anything from me. Oh, to have that phrase shared on the day that we get to meet our wonderful Abba, Father. Well, let's look at verse 20 through 24, the continued blessings. As we close our section today, verse 20 through 24 in Genesis 22. Now, after these things, Abraham was told that Milcah also has born sons to your brother Nahor. Uz, his firstborn, his brother Booz, that's a, those are great names, by the way. If you have two, uh, we were talking about this with Pastor Chad, and we like to sit down and talk. He said, "Man, imagine having two sons or two twin boys, and you want, name one Ooze and one Booze. What a combination!" Uh, <laughs> but in verse twenty-one, Ooze, his firstborn, his brother Booze, Camille, the father of Aram. Uh, verse twenty-two, Jesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jilaf, and Bethul, and Bethul father Rebecca. Milcah bore these eight to Nahor. Abraham's father, his concubine, verse 24, whose name was Ramah, also bore Tebah, Geham, Tehash, and Mekah. As we close this section, we look at all these names in here and like, why is this here? I mean, I can't even pronounce them correctly. But this is here to show us and to remind us of Abraham's blessing from God. Why do I say that? This section right here 
is to tell Abraham, look, I got your back, Abraham. I already have a wife coming from your son, Isaac. God is going to take care of this seed. And what a wonderful blessing. So as we close today, we see the Lord reaffirm the blessings to Abraham. But what stood out to us in this section, I hope, verse 16. Abraham doesn't hold anything back to the Lord, even his one and only son. Today I ask you, if God is calling you to himself, what are you holding on to? God is calling you to for salvation, what are you holding on to? This world? Folks, this world's going away. This Everything you see is going to turn to dust. But a relationship with the Father will last eternity. But I'm not only talking to those who have no relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm also talking to those, those who are saved. What are you holding back from? God is calling you to be in full obedience to him. Are you holding on to something because you don't fully trust? you got to trust in God's plan. Faith equals trust. And we are called to give full surrender to our Heavenly Father when he calls us from darkness into light. So maybe God has called you to be a missionary. Yes, you're comfortable in Olathe or, or, or surrounding towns, Shawnee, Gardner, Lenexa, Wellsville. Maybe you're comfortable, but maybe God has put it on your heart to reach the lost, to go be on mission for him. What are you holding on to? Trust me. I know it's going to get tougher and tougher to say no to God. And one day, you're going to have to say yes, because God wins. Read the Bible. It's there at the very end. God wins wins what are you holding on to or maybe god is calling you to be in ministry maybe god's called you to be a pastor mom and dad let your children go mom and dad don't hold back from your children if god is calling them to be a missionary pastor let them go he's going to take care of them folks god is faithful. He'll take care of you. I'm reminded of this, and I share this, not to brag, not to make fun of. Our very first ministry position, full-time, on our tax return, we got back, we, on our tax return, our salary for the living wage was $17,000. God was faithful. We were able to finance a home. We were able to pay off a car debt. We were, I was able to attend seminary on that, small, that type of budget. God is faithful, folks. Trust me. Maybe God is calling you to give. Maybe you've never given to the church. Maybe you, want to step out of your, you don't want to step out of your comfort zone and, and give. I don't know. I'm struggling financially. Well, who holds your finances? You are the Lord. Trust him. He'll bless as you give. Maybe you've never been baptized. 
Or maybe your baptism is out of order like Pastor Travis said. What are you holding on to? What's stopping you? We've been called to, again, give everything away and, and live for the Lord. God is calling you to do something. Being all in, just like Abraham. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. And Lord, thank you that you always are faithful. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who does not know you, and you're calling them from darkness into light, Lord, that they let go of everything that is around them. That they run to Jesus. And Lord, this section is talking to the children of God in the context, talking to a saved man, Abraham. And if you called Abraham to give up everything, Lord, that same calling is, is on our lives. I don't know what everyone is, is going through at this moment, Lord, but I know that we probably have crossed that bridge or we're at that starting block. We've all had that thought or faced the, the, the tough decision. Are we going to be all in or are we just, nah, we're going to continue to do what we want to do. Lord, I pray that you will continue to minister to, our, to your children, that you would remind them it's going to be okay. Father, because every day we're needed reminded that it is going to be okay. As we look around this world, we see chaos, but you still sit on your throne. We get worried about tomorrow, but our mission is in front of us. Father, maybe it's somebody, you're calling somebody to simply go across to the neighbor and make them a meal and let them know that you're praying for them. Or maybe they're struggling with sharing the gospel with, they, with the person they know who's lost. Lord, help us. We want to be in full obedience today. Lord, as we close, we just thank you and we praise you for your, the free gift of salvation through your son, Jesus. And we ask that you be with us as we go along our week, ministering to people who need to see the truth. In Jesus' name we pray.